This is PhotoBizX episode number 479 and today we are talking high volume sports photography with a Canadian based business operator who is super successful, incredibly generous with what he shares and on top of all that is a super nice guy. I'm talking about Hark Najjar and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is going to blow your mind this interview today <laughs> if you're anything like me I was thinking oh my god why did I choose wedding and portrait photography as my genres as a business after talking to Hark so yeah strap in for this one it's an absolute beauty don't blame me if you question all your decisions about photography business up until this point before we get into that if you didn't catch last week's episode, it was a special episode. It was a recorded coaching call with pet photographer Lorena Cora, where I had a chance to help her with her lead qualification process after running a Facebook ad. She did run a successful ad campaign. She brought in a number of leads, but she failed to con- or to successfully convert them and make great sales from those leads. Now, I don't want to say failed. Uh, It sounds like such a harsh word. In her mind, in her eyes, she did fail to get great sales. And I saw a few holes and thought there were some opportunities to help her. So we recorded or Lorena allowed me to record that coaching call where we go over my process for qualifying those leads. And you can apply that same process to whatever genre of photography you photograph, never mind the fact that Lorena is a pet photographer, because what we shared, yeah, is applicable to any genre that you photograph if you're running Facebook ads, particularly those ads with free sessions, giveaway sessions with credits or free prints and that type of thing. So get back and have a listen to that one if you haven't heard it. Now on the topic of Facebook ads, we had the Facebook and Instagram lead ad training with John Glazer last week. Uh, It was a huge success. It was so good to see behind the doors of John's business, how he's running his ads, how he's generating all the leads that he is using Facebook and Instagram lead ads, how to actually go into ads manager and create those lead ads. And then the automation behind bringing in that many leads. Uh, It was really cool to see all that. There's been a number of testimonials coming in after the live session. And I love this one from Dead Smith. She says, Oh my God, that blew my mind. I managed to send one email after that training and now my brain is fried. So I've down tools and I'm having lunch with hubby instead of working. But that was so good. I can feel my brain growing new dendrites. That was worth 10 times the cost of the course. Thanks, Andrew. I'm implementing this tomorrow with a Facebook ad. Fingers crossed. Love your work, Deb. So that was amazing. Uh, to receive a testimonial like that. And like I said, there's been a number of those coming through, which is so cool. If you were on the live training, there's a recording of that training session now on the photobizx.com website. You should have received an email on how to access that underneath the premium menu. I've also added some of the supporting documents, a little Excel spreadsheet to calculate your ad cost and how many leads you're going to need to generate for your business at what cost to bring in the number of leads you need. There's also an audio only recording. 
links and other resources. And I'll keep building that out over the next couple of weeks. Don't forget, if you have a follow-up question for John, send them to me so we can record that follow-up Q&A. And that's going to be especially helpful for you if you start running your ads as soon as possible. So if you run into any issues, we can uh, put those to John and he can help answer those for you and put them to rest. And just quickly, before we get into this interview with Hark, I did want to share with you a conversation that I had with a photographer in regards to purchasing courses and training. Now, this photographer, they have a very successful business. They were unsure whether this training was going to be a good fit for them. So we had a chat on the phone and you can do this anytime you like. If there's something that I'm putting out there through PhotoBizX and you're not sure whether it's a good fit for you, you can send me an email or a message and I'll have a chat with you and see if I, if I really do think it's a good fit. In this case, it wasn't a good fit. So this particular photographer, after jumping on the phone, I learned that they have more leads than they can handle. They're already doing very well with lead generation through Facebook ads. And they're at a point where they just can't service the number of leads that they're bringing in. So my question to her was, well, what would make you happy about your business? What would make your business better, more successful? What would you like to see happen with your business to make you a happier photographer, a happier business owner? It ultimately came down to more profit. So Again, after a bit more of a chat, we worked out that the only way to increase her profit was to increase her prices, photograph more clients, or reduce her costs, her business costs. So reducing her costs weren't an option. She's working from home. She has a home-based studio. Uh, everything's as lean as it can go in that regard. She can't photograph more clients because she's only shooting on her own. So the, the obvious answer was to increase her prices or hire another photographer to photograph more clients. That were really the two options for her to see her business grow. So for her to come along and do you know, a course on lead generation utilizing Facebook ads just doesn't make sense. So I suggested to her that she should be looking out for courses or training on increasing her prices, making better sales, maybe introducing new products to increase her sales, there are different ways she can do that to bring in more income to the business, particularly if she has you know, mind blocks around raising her prices. If that's the case, I'd say go and see Joel Dunn, the, the business and mindset coach around photography who can help her break through those barriers. That would make sense to do a course like that. But don't put your money, if you're in the same position, into a course about generating leads if you're already so good at generating leads. That just doesn't make sense. So again, if, if a course comes up in the future or if there's some training on the photobizx.com website that you would like access to but you're not sure if it's a good fit, then please shoot me a message. Let's chat about it before you invest your money because the very last thing I want you to do is invest in a, in a course or any kind of training with me or anyone that I bring on to partner with and know that it's not a good fit for you or that you don't go away and implement what you're learning and get a ton out of it. That's the last thing. I, I, I want to receive an untold number of testimonials like the one from Deb where they get 10 times the cost of the course in value to them and their business. That's what I'm looking for if you come along to some of the training that I put together for you and your business. Alrighty, let's get into this interview with Hark. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Oh, just one quick thing. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. 
Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Hark. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. But the good news is if you want to access the full interview with Hark, and I can assure you you're going to want to hear the full interview today with this one because Hark shares so much, you can do that for as little as $1 with a trial membership. It's a 30-day trial membership. You can learn more about that at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I've been wanting to interview today's guest since receiving a message from another successful photographer during a Zoom training session last year. That photographer said privately to me, you need to get Hark on the podcast. He has a great business up in Canada. He'd be a fantastic guest. Hark is based in the Toronto area. He has a beautifully large and well-equipped studio and his business looks to be split in two halves. One part is more boutique and focused on headshots and corporate studio work. And the other half is a high volume sports photography business under a totally separate brand by the name of GTA Sports Photography. So after we exchanged a few messages, I learned that Hark is a big fan of work-life balance. And he says in an email to me, to be honest, I could take on a lot more work and grow my sports business, but I left a very well-paying corporate life to spend more time with the family and I wouldn't trade that for anything. I'm looking forward to this one and I'm wrapped to have Hark of Hark Najar Photography with me now. Hark, welcome. Well, thanks, Andrew. Uh, it's really an honor to be uh, speaking with you after uh, being one of your biggest fans. I've been uh, listening to you for years now, at least a few years, and uh, you've had some amazing guests. So I'm really honored to be doing this with you at this time. So thank you very much for the intro. Oh, well, I'm, I am just as excited to talk to you. And look, for the listener, you need to let us know where you are right now because you're not in your studio. You're not in your home. Where are you? <laughs> No, uh, actually, uh, not at home. Uh, we have, uh, in Canada, we call them cottages. It's, it's essentially uh, our cabin by the lake house. And uh, we try to spend a little bit of time uh, each summer throughout the year. So we open up the cottage in uh, typically in May and we close it up in October, November timeframe. And during that time, we spend at least a couple months of the summer up at the cottage uh, with the family. And it just it's a nice break to get away. It's only within the last year or so that we've had internet access here. Prior to that, we didn't even have cell service. Just so you know, we do have running water and it's a <laughs> nice kitchen and all that stuff. So it's not a true cabin, but it's pretty close to his cabin, uh, getting way uh, into the woods as you can get. Uh, but we really enjoy it. Nice. So when you come up to the cabin, when you say like for a couple of months, do you just block out the calendar like you and your wife or your family do that? Yes. We have a fairly... Uh, <laughs> Fairly good system in terms of how we do things. So my wife works um, as a regular job. that She enjoys uh, her job. And one of the things that when I left my corporate work was that I wanted to make sure we had enough time to spend together. So when she has her time off or vacation schedule, I will align that with mine and I will uh, essentially block it off and making sure that I don't have anything booked during those times. There have been times in the past where I had to go back. We are about two hours from my actual home. I've gone back to do a shoot where I can get out of, uh, but most of the time I try to book everything off uh, so that I don't have to go back and forth and we can uh, stay up at the cottage without interruptions and uh, just, just enjoy ourselves. Nice. So while you're at the cottage and you're not shooting or working, 
does that mean there's no income coming into the business? There isn't like a, a team of staff shooters out there working for you? No, there isn't. No, no there isn't. Uh, for our sports side of the business, which is a volume-based business, I do have uh, people that help me out. There's a, a couple of people that help me out at the studio. So if there's something that I need to get done at the studio or there's something left behind, I do have people that would actually come and do that for me. But aside from that, I don't have any employees. I don't... Uh, aspire to sort of get there even though i can very easily grow to a point where i would need to get people in i outsource a lot of my work a lot of my editing some of the other stuff that i do but in terms of uh, my regular employees i don't have a regular employee working for me in the studio right so you are the man the photographer the editor behind gta sports and hark najar photography that's correct so i'm essentially giving myself it's a single man band (laughs) so i try to do as much as i can with my availability that i have time wise and if i feel like i need to do a little bit more i can outsource some of that stuff but most of the shooting is done by myself aside from our sports work which i bring other team members on board to do the shoots where i may not be shooting for one particular league but they're doing the shoots but on the back end i'm doing a lot of that work myself and some of that stuff is outsourced Got it. Okay. So if you were to combine the two businesses, like, well, tell me about the two businesses. I guess there's a separate revenue stream for both. Like, is one more? Are you passionate? About- well, I started with, like, most photographers when they start off with everything. I tried everything. Families. Uh, I even did a couple of weddings, and I don't know how anybody that shoots weddings, <laughs> kudos to them because that's a lot of work. So that's something that quickly went out the window because I really knew that I did not want to shoot weddings. But I started with sports because my son was into sports. Uh, he was playing hockey, he was doing motocross and baseball and throughout. So a few people knew that I was shooting some families and did some photography. Uh, they asked me, would you be interested in doing our sports team? So I said, sure. How difficult could it be? Little did I know that if you don't have very good systems in place, it could be very difficult to get going. So I started with that and I did some workshops in, in the U.S. It's a massive industry in the U.S., most of what I've learned, I've gone through those conferences, I've met a lot of great people, and they sort of put me on a path to deliver more automation in the back end to be able to do the job. So GTS Sports Photography is our sports uh, unit, and Harkinger Photography is my, essentially what we do, headshots, corporate. Uh, that's mainly what I do on the, uh, on the portrait side. We do a little bit of a specialty work. We call them fairy days. Uh, they, these are fairy portraits. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them uh, on my website. They're under sort of like a fine art uh, work. We do those maybe two, maybe three times a year. We haven't done those in the last couple of years just because we have been very, very busy with the sports work. But I'm planning to bring those back maybe later this fall. And they're, I call those also boutique volume because they're not really high volume, but they're not really a high touch point portrait work that we do in the studio. They're sort of in between. We can typically scheduled somewhere from 20 to 25 sessions on a weekend for those ferry sessions, about half an hour, 20 minutes to a half an hour sessions. And we can typically do that many and book them out and get great sales from those. So combined with everything between our volume sports, our corporate work, and some of the boutique volume, I have a pretty comfortable revenue stream that comes in year after year. So Fantastic. And I, I, it's, it's pretty predictable. <laughs> what kind of revenue is it, Hawk? We're talking look for on our, as I mentioned, for our sports photography, it was pretty much a record year this year, probably going to be close to a little bit over 
225, maybe 230 this year. Wow. So that's on the, uh, the volume side. From the corporate side, I do a lot of work in the mining sector, which I was 15, 16 years uh, previously having my photography career. So I do a lot of work for those clients. Uh, they would either take me out to one of their sites, send me out to one of the mine sites to do their content for whether it's uh, annual reports or whether it's just for internal consumption or whatever photography needs that they have. Photography as well as video. I um, have another team member. I, I'd say team member. It's a person that I bring on with me to do some of the video work as well. I do some video, but I'm not the main person that does the video. So we do video photography for those clients and then headshots and personal branding. It's a huge thing for the studio. I do a lot of those purely in studio work. Unless a large company calls me up and say, we're going to do 30, 40, 50. I've done up to 100, 150 people in a single day for headshots. And those are more, I call them, if I can do volume photography, I can certainly do 150 in a day without a problem for a headshot. Right. And so that side of the business, that's got its own revenue as well. That's right. So on the portrait side, we probably get to about, I would say, around 150 maybe. Wow. Okay. So you've got a great business. So, I mean, really, I want to ask you about the work-life balance thing, but it sounds to me like you have a high enough income stream where you don't have to work the whole year if you don't want to. Isn't I don't. I don't. So one of the best things about from my volume side is very seasonal and it's also very predictable. So I know... We are going to have a busy fall. We're going to have a busy sort of like start of the spring. And then there's a bit of a lull from, I would say, end of mid-March to about beginning of May. There's not really much going on during that time. And then from there, we start doing baseball and a little bit of soccer. I try to stay away from the summer sports, to be honest, because I want to spend time up here. I don't want to be shooting (laughs) uh, soccer or baseball on the weekend. So I work with the leagues that are willing to work with me on that. So if I have some baseball leagues that are um, able to schedule them during the week, we will do those. If it's every weekend, no, I'll just simply tell them, no, thank you. We'll just move on. And the reason it works is every year, because I know those leagues are going to come back next year. So I can generally predict my revenue, what it's going to be for year after year. Sure enough, like there might be some leagues that they drop off. It hasn't happened to me yet, but if there's a league that drops off, there'd be two others that are willing to come on board and join um, <laughs> and join the roster. So what, why is that, Harkler? Why are you so confident that they're going to be coming back next year, even if you say, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this? Or how can you be so confident they're not going to drop off? What are you doing? <laughs> well, I don't think I'm doing anything different. We just, from in terms of the quality that we provide and the, the product and the service that I have a very service oriented business model where I don't, I want the clients to get a lot more value than what I'm delivering to them in, as a product. So to them, they get any sort of issues that they have with the orders that they come from the parents, whether it's from the leagues, we look after every single one of those issues. I've had leagues that I've been working with for five, six years, and they absolutely love our work. I, I don't, I mean, touch wood. They could go. I never have to sign any contracts saying that you're on a contract with me for the next two or three years. I know a lot of volume photographers, uh, volume photography companies, they require the leagues to sign a contract of some sort. I do it by, it's essentially a handshake agreement with the people that I meet. And I try to personally try to meet those people because their kids grow up. Most of these people that are working in there, they're volunteer. They rotate it. 
So their kids might be in that sport for two years and somebody else comes back. But it's my job to go out there, meet those people, meet the new board members, see how things are going. So for me, I make a lot of those personal connections with those individuals to make sure that when it comes down to them selecting a company that's going to work with them, I'm at the top of their mind and they're going to call me for that. For, the job. for me, those, those leagues are big. Some of the leagues are like twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 for me. Um, per league so to lose it yes it'd be a big loss but I know also that I have the capability of going getting somebody else because I have the capability to be able to fill them in or provide a service to that in the time that I have so I love it so when you say league is that a club or is that like are you doing- it's a club so it's a club so for example it'd be a hockey league a hockey association they may have a 11, 1,200 players in that association. Sorry, Hark. So when you're saying league to me, I'm thinking that's made up of, say, 12 or 18 different teams or clubs. Is that what you mean by a league? Team. So it would be team. So, for example, we just recently did a, uh, a baseball league. So it's just one league. But within the league, they have 90 teams. And between those 90 teams, they have about 12, 1,250 kids for those 90 teams. And we will photograph all those individual, you know, sorry, individual players We'll put them together as a team and also do the individual pictures as well. So the parents purchase the individual pictures, but the league themselves, they also order one print per player for every player in the league. So if it's 1,200 or 1,250 kids in that in the league, the league's going to pay me for each one of those kids. Okay, okay, this is amazing. So you're going above the team or club level and going to the actual association and photographing the whole yes. league within. That's correct. Right. So you're photographing every team within that league and all the players. Yes. And that's, that's for me, that works like a lot better for me rather than shooting individual. I will go and shoot individual teams. Don't get me wrong, but I do it very strategically. Like the baseball picture that I just sent you the other day, it was just a single team. I just went out and shot during the week, but I know they have a huge association. So I'm going to go photograph that one team that came to me, create a great product for them. And because I've already seen this on their social media, they've posted those pictures everywhere. All the other teams see it, say, why are we not doing the same pictures? So next thing I know, the league association, the person that's running the league is going to be reaching out to me. Or next year, we would like to be to photograph every single player in our association, every single team in that association. So for me, that's how I get the business. Okay. So are there hundreds or scores of other photographers and photography companies targeting the teens and you're just going above them? There is. There are lots of individual photographers that work with smaller teams, so maybe one or two teams, but you have to have a fairly good system in place to be able to handle high volume. So we have, in terms of data management, we get the rosters from the association. We turn them into 2D barcodes. So each kid will have their own barcode when we scan. So when we take a picture, we're scanning the barcode, making sure we know which kid is which, which team that he belongs to. So in terms of data management and data processing on the back end, you have to have a fairly good system if you're going to be able to process that many players for an association. Okay. I want to talk about the business side of things in just a second, but if I'm looking at one of your recent Instagram posts here, I think I'm going to butcher this, but is it the Mississauga Tigers? Tigers, yes. So that was a single team that that just reached out to me. So we were late in the game. Our association was supposed to do the pictures. They didn't turn out great, but we were looking to do individual and team photos. Would you come out and do our pictures? 
So I give them a price in terms of individual, which is way higher than what I typically would charge for a volume gig. So I will go and photograph that individual team, give them the product and an outstanding experience so that they will go and talk to their lead convener. Why are we not using this photography company to do our pictures for the entire league as opposed to just us having to go and find this person? Nine out of 10 times, I generally, if I shoot one team next year, I will get the entire league. Okay. And like for the listener, you have to go and check out the Instagram feed or the website for GTA Sports Photography because when I say, and when Hark says high volume sports photography, like these are fantastic. The ones I'm looking at here of the Tigers are outdoor portraits with an off-camera flash set up to one side. I think there's even a backlight as well. So you've got multiple studio lights. Yes. Uh, so we typically have a three-light setup for it doesn't matter where, we, where we're shooting. Okay. So three-light setup outdoors looks incredible. The, the colors are just popping. The kids look amazing. So I can see why you're you know, out photographing and out delivering these other photographers. Just quickly on the actual photography setup, I mean, at the moment today, it's raining where you are. I'm guessing you get a lot of wet weather in Canada, particularly at certain times of the year. So if you turn up to do this shoot and you want to over-deliver and deliver this kind of quality imagery, what do you do when it's raining? So for some of the smaller teams, like for example, if it's a single team, it's easy enough to sort of reschedule. For a large league, we always have a backup plan. So one, we either will use canopies or second, we will always always have a gym. Uh, I will talk to the league about securing an indoor space. And then we make the call within two or three days prior to photo day that if it's going to, the weather's going to be either raining or snow or something else. Most of the hockey is always indoors anyways. But for outdoor sports, if there's an issue with weather that I can anticipate is going to be coming down the pipe, I will just tell them, let's just move it indoors and we'll get to it. And most of the leagues that I work with, they're willing to do that because they know how hard it is to reschedule 90 teams <laughs> so especially when they have tournaments when they have other events uh, parents are not able to make it to another day so we always have a, a backup plan god okay and i'm looking at another post on your instagram feed there for gta sports photography i can see three lights set up you're inside a big gymnasium yes so the one i'm looking at is shot against a white backdrop do you then drop in an outdoor backdrop scene or you deliver this as it's shot no it just depends we did actually can't remember which one that is, but there's some that we will do extract the players and we'll do uh, a composite for the league. So there's two or three different levels of service that they can choose if they want to use a composite or if they want to use a traditional team photo where everybody sort of is photographed together and we put them as a group and we take a picture of that as a team. Or the other one is we take pictures of individual players and we put together as a team. So if you go to my website, you'll see some of the examples of uh, the banner that's at the top which I think might be the volleyball uh, players. They were each one of, including the coaches, they were photographed individually and put together as a, as a team. Right. Okay. So that's one option they can have and they've got other options to choose from. Yes. So is the league paying your bill or are the parents of the kids ordering photos? The league is paying the bill for individual. So the league is always interested in delivering a team photo to each player. So as part of the registration, they will give, it's a combination of like a player photo plus the team photo. So it's an eight by 10 print. So the, the league is going to pay for that for every player in the league. But on top of that, we also have an online ordering system. So while we are doing the team photo, we're also doing individual portraits of each one of the athletes as well. We have those online. We remember I was talking about the barcodes, data management on the back end. We know exactly for each kid 
we give them an access code and each kid has their own gallery to view and order the images. Parents can order online. After photo day, everything's done by my lab. I just essentially tell the parents, you go on and do the ordering. Everything gets delivered to their home. I don't even have to touch anything. It doesn't matter what they order. I have a certain number of uh, products that I offer on an online ordering system. I don't have to produce those in-house prints or somebody wants to order a button or a plaque or a keychain. It's all handled by the lab and it gets delivered to the parents. So for me, a lot of that stuff is essentially bonus on top of what I get paid for these. Got it. Got it. I, I love it. What a great business model. Like here in Australia, I mean, like I do some sports photography and a little bit of this work, uh, not to the same extent that you are, that is for sure. But over here, it seems to be that, you know, we would target a particular, say a soccer club and photograph all the teams in that club. But I don't think anyone is going to the actual association. That's just next level. That is amazing. And I love the fact. So did you sell them on the idea of giving each player in the league a team photo or that's something that's always done in Canada? For us in sport, that's always been a tradition. They always do it. Uh, I think it's a little bit different even in the U.S. Some uh, regions or some markets, they do the same thing. But I think in the U.S., a lot of that is what you just talked about. If you're a photographer, you want to go work with a team, they actually anticipate that you do something for the league free of charge. It's actually you're giving away that print so that you can get the orders. For me, it's the other way around. I don't do that. I'm only working with leagues that are willing to pay for those prints because they're getting quality prints and quality service. And then if they want to order anything additional on top of that, they can do that. However, I will sponsor some teams. So for me, I do give sponsorship money back to the leagues because they're all volunteer-based. Everybody's a volunteer within those leagues. Uh, They have a pretty tight budget. So what I try to do is always help them in anywhere I can. If it's a tournament, if I can send one of my uh, uh, sort of, when I say team members, they're not really my team members, but I will get somebody that helps me out all the time. I will either pay them to go and shoot for them free of charge, but I will sort of cover that cost uh, on their behalf. Some of that, some of those things really go a long ways because association, they, they appreciate it. They don't generally have a lot of action photos throughout the year, really good ones that they can use for their social media website. And I make sure that they have access to those images uh, when they need those. Uh, for their, uh... Got it. Okay, so the bo- I mean, 99% of your income is coming from setup, stage, studio-type shots. You're not doing action sports photography. There's just not the no. same. Yeah, right. Okay. No, that, uh, that, again, when I first started, I thought there was money to be made in that. Unfortunately, there wasn't. <laughs> There's some people that do a lot of business in it, but if they're very, very special system that they have in place to be able to make money through from tournaments, you can do it. But in my experience, uh, it was better for me to go after uh, the individual and team photos rather than the, the action photos uh, for sports. Right. And so you don't have to, or you're not expected to pay a commission or a kickback back to the association or the teams? No, no. Do other Canadian photographers, is that a thing in Canada? Yes. Right. Yes. There's a lot of photography companies that offer that to the leagues, and some leagues do end up choosing those options. My job is to make sure what happens is, so the leagues are always fighting the two battles. One is with the parents. It's the parents always want really good, high-quality uses of the players, and the leagues want to do spend the least amount of money to get somebody in to do those team photos and individual photos. So the battle is among the parents is, why are we hiring that company to produce really crappy results when we, like, we want better pictures? 
And the parents don't have any other option other than what the league selects. So I try to always educate the board members on it is, listen, your association is your board member are the parents. So why are you not deciding on a quality company that's going to provide you a quality product as opposed to going with the cheapest option that you can get? Because this way, not only are you getting great key voters, but also the parents are happy because they have the ability to purchase portrait quality, volume price pictures of their players without having to go to a portrait studio. We're still able to offer you that. And not for much more than what you typically would pay for a company that's going to come and do that. But we're not in a position to give you like a commission or any of that back. We're going to give you good quality, good service, and you can decide from there if you want to work with us. And most of the ones that work with us is they keep coming back because they love the quality and they love the service. I love it. I love it. So one of the things you keep referring to is prints. You know, everyone wants prints. The league wants prints. The family members want prints. You haven't once said to me digital files. Surely there's a demand for them as well. Yes, absolutely. There's a good demand for digital as well. And we do the same thing, online ordering system. They can either download digital files or they can order prints. It's up to the parents, whatever they prefer, or they can do both. I have an option where if they purchase a certain package, digital files are included as part of the uh, other package, or they can get a reduced rate uh, if they purchase a certain product. So for me, my margins are always down, regardless of whether I sell prints or whether it's all digital files. So what did you say? Your margins are always what? Margins. Margins are always great for with digital files. So there really isn't any product cost that you're talking about. But to be honest, in volume pricing, the labs that you work with, your cost of goods sold on those products is not really, we're not talking about the uh, the high quality acrylic prints that you're delivering. These are just 8 by 10 standard prints for the lab. Right, okay. Most of the time. And is that the most popular or common product? Is an 8 by 10 print? Yes. Typically... One eight by ten and two five by sevens. There essentially is the uh, is so I like for my online costs. It's minimal, minuscule compared to what you're trying to parents anyway. Especially on a model. Right. Okay. What does a parent pay for an eight by ten and two five sevens? So for a twenty for eight by ten, I think it's twenty eight dollars for a print. Right. Okay. Fantastic. I'm pretty sure it's twenty. So if they buy a package with a two. Uh, so when I say two five by seven in volume business, it's essentially unit cost. Everything that can be printed on a single eight by ten paper, or as you know, on a, on a you can either do two by five by sevens or four by five, whatever you want to print, it's on that unit cost. So essentially, you price it out as eight by ten, and then the parents can purchase whatever they feel like purchasing. Whether it's wallets, uh, whether it's mag- magnets, are a little bit different. They cost a little bit more, but then I charge a little bit more. The other big, uh, big popular item for us in sports is trader cards, where you have the player information on the back and you got the player picture on the front, and it looks like a trader card. So, who orders that? The association? Oh, every single parent. Uh, <laughs> hockey, we sell so many of them. So, this is what I see. So, do they buy just their kids' one or they buy the whole team's? Yeah, no, no, just the kids' one. So, they have, we call them trader cards. So they come in a pack of 16. So there's like 16 players on the team. They will each give each one of their kids. So they get a team. Some people do that, but some people also give to relative. They'll just give one print of trader card to each one of the aunts and uncles, or grandpa, grandparents, whatever they want to do. So before we went online, I used to do paper form. So parents will fill out the paper form. They would pay on, we had online payments, not online payment, but a square payment right at site. So I would actually have somebody sitting there taking payments and taking the order forms. But before COVID, like that was pre-COVID, after COVID, we 
put everything online. Uh, now the parents can enter the exact information on the trader card that will appear on the trader card. So it reduced the work for me. But prior to us going online, I used to increase the price every year, hoping that parents wouldn't order trader card, <laughs> but they still kept ordering trader cards. Right. So, so, but now that, that we've got everything online, it doesn't matter to me. They can, whoever wants to order trader card, they can uh, order trader cards. So I'm guessing then you have some pretty cool software that does the formatting and, and just puts yeah. in from right. So what is that a software that's available to everyone or that's a high-end volume business no no it, it's it's um i mean there's software available which i didn't know that about, about it either in the u.s on the volume side the software calls pixnap pixnap software and they do green screen knockouts they do sports automation there's a lot of available options within that software that you're able to do but there's really high end there's one from australia called tombstone that's also really really good for creating composites uh, the one in the U.S., the name of the company was PhotoLinks. They have a multitude of different software platforms that you can use. And I didn't know any of this when I started this. And the only way I learned about all of this was going to some of the conferences in the U.S., some in Florida, some in uh, in Vegas. So for me, it was meeting those people. How are they doing this? Just picking it up. Because if you're starting this from the beginning and you got a couple of teams and you want to grow, it's a daunting task. Like, you're like, how the heck am I going to manage 1,000 or 1,500 kids shoot on a single day? How am I actually going to keep track of who's who and who the parents? It all will come to you. You just got to start somewhere. Start small, uh, one or two teams, and then in, keep increasing. That's how I did it. And even now, I'm only growing by maybe 10 or 15% a year, which is, when I say 10 and only 10 or 15, it's still a pretty big growth. <laughs> yeah. But for me... It comes every year, like this year, as I told you, it was a record year for us. And that's without trying. Andrew, no word of a lie. I have not spent, other than on my website, I have not spent a single cent to attract a client to my sports business. Not a single cent of advertising. So for, for two questions. Why do you even worry about doing you know, corporate headshots and fairy sessions when it sounds like this sports business could just be through the roof if you wanted it to be? Because I, I find sports business to be very, it's almost a formulaic sort of type of shoot. It's very technical. It's not very creative. It doesn't give you the same sort of feel as doing a portrait session or doing something in the studio, which I still love. I love being um, different lighting style. I love being, I, I just love photography to be able to do that in the studio. I just enjoy that process. And even though I have this my uh, studio, I would say, empty at least 60 70 percent of the time when i'm doing sports i'm not doing anything of that studio space i could be renting that but i i don't like the idea of having to sort of move all my stuff around and so somebody else can come in and do a shoot and the next time i need to go i have to set everything else i like my lighting setup the way i like it <laughs> i don't care if i'm not getting that money from the rental but i want to go and be able to shoot when i want to go shoot at the studio. yeah sure that makes sense that makes sense why not hire other photographers to photograph the sports teams? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. I can't believe it's taken me so long to ask you onto the podcast. Thank you so much for saying yes and agreeing and for sharing so much about your wonderful business. Massive congrats on your success. I mean, do you still pinch yourself and think, wow, this is, this is a great... Oh, absolutely. Like, I, like the consistency and the, uh, 
the reoccurrence of like predictable revenue, that's been the game changer for me. As I said, when I left my corporate work, I tried everything. We tried a bunch of different things. My corporate job is great. Like I had some great, even now I get some great clients that I will work for them on a contract basis. I'll go and do maybe three, four or five times a year to go, go out to one of the, and sometimes they're like $30,000, $40,000 clients. And I still get those clients, but those clients are not as predictable because you never know when they're going to come about and how long they're going to use you for. Whereas sports side, it gives me a foundation to work with. I don't have to worry as much about the rest of the business. It's just pure bonus for me to be able to do that. It takes the pressure off. So the best part for me is I work with the clients that I want to work with. I can say a no to a lot of clients that typically you would think if you're every client that was coming in, you knew you had to pay the bills with that money. It'd be hard to say no to those people. Now I can say, no, thank you. I'm not, I'm busy or I'm up at the cottage. I can't make it. So it's really easy, simple way to just say no. So I, and I don't feel guilty about doing it because I know like I'm going to be busy in the fall. It's, when I say life work balance, I'm not saying it's all life and uh, Sort of, uh, uh, you're sitting on the beach and making money. It's still hard work. You still have to work, but it's a very concentrated amount of work in certain times of the year. And once you get through that, then the rest of it, you can plan your year and do whatever you want to do. I love it. It reminds me very much. It's a different model, but it's very similar in the same way to Erica Dorf from a few weeks ago. You know, she's working hard photographing pets around the country for three months of the year, but then she has nine months off right so it's concentrated work for three months but then the rest is is nice <laughs> yeah see who wouldn't want that so. <laughs> <laughs> i agree Hark, i'm going to add links to uh to your website your instagram feeds um there isn't a facebook page for gta sports is there or is there yes yes there i'm very inactive on all my social i don't post a lot on my instagram or, or i see i'm like the opposite to everybody else that does <laughs> photography you have to be on it i'm not saying that i don't but i post very little but there's some stuff up there. So you'll see my Facebook page in there and my, my Instagram page for both, so my Harkin Jeff photography as well as a GTA sports photography. Okay, I'll add links to all those. And I imagine in your case that most, particularly with the sports side, the kids and the parents are doing all the sharing for you, aren't they? I mean, they, you must be Absolutely. everywhere in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I told you that team that I just sent you, uh, I had uh, calls from two parents and they said uh, they sent it to this association and already I they made the introduction for me to the association president that this is the person that we need to talk to next year. So that was just a, like last week. That's basically the process that I, I described to you. This, this all happened within a week. So good. Uh, again, mate, it's been a real pleasure. I've seen your name and your face around for the last few years. It's really nice to be able to spend this time with you and I really appreciate it, mate. So thank you. And thank you to your wife for allowing you to come on while you're in the cabin on holidays. <laughs> Well, I appreciate, uh, again, the invite, Andrew. I'm really, I want to say it, I'm really honored. Uh, I mean, when, when you first asked me, I really didn't know whether any of this would be useful because I, I jab a lot. And uh, for me to be able to help anybody, if anybody's looking to do, I'm an open book. Uh, just shoot me an email or, or ask me a question. I'll be happy to uh, answer anything that I can help with because we've always been there. I didn't always know what the heck I was doing. I had to learn from a lot of different people. And uh, if I can pay that forward, uh, be more than happy to help anybody that's uh, that's starting it. Super generous. Thanks again, Hark. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Andrew. Really appreciate it. 
Hope you enjoyed that interview with Hark as much as I did. Hark, if you are listening, again, mate, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you did, and massive congrats on your success. What an incredible business. I am blown away. I'm sure the listener has been too. So again, mate, thank you so, so much. And also thanks to John for recommending you for this interview. Uh, I should have pushed for this so much earlier, but I am so glad that we had a chance to have a chat. And uh, to talk to you in your beautiful cabin, your lakeside cabin, uh, was, it was a real treat. And again, it was very much appreciated you taking out the time to do that for us. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Hark shared in today's interview. Are you like me? Are you thinking, oh my God, like (laughs) I've chosen the wrong genre of photography to focus on? Uh, Look, I'd love to hear your feedback on this interview. Let me know your thoughts. Were there any takeaways? Was there anything that Hark shared that you could apply to your business, even if you're not photographing high volume sports photography? Let me know in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they are at photobizx.com forward slash 479. Now, in those show notes, you'll see examples of Hark's incredible work. You'll see links to anything and everything that he mentioned, including his websites and social media profiles. And of course, if you are a premium member, Hark is inside the premium members Facebook group. So maybe you have a follow-up question for him. You can hit him up there. Or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, I know he'd love to read those messages too. That is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. It's going to be a tough day around here in the Helmich residence because my youngest son, Jordan, moved out of home with his girlfriend, Chloe, last week. And today, our eldest son, Matthew, is moving out with his girlfriend into their brand new, well, it's not a brand new house. It's a new house to them that they purchased. They're moving out today. So we, Linda and I, are going to be empty nesters as of today, which... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we can't, I can't keep reminding Linda of that because she hates the thought of the boys moving out of home. She really wanted them to be here, she says, until they were 40 years old. <laughs> I know she was joking about, but it's still going to be very tough for her to see them go. And she's already put in place family dinner on Wednesday nights from now on going forward. And I'm sure there's going to be some breakfasts and things added into that as well. I can hear coming down the driveway our good friend Sharon She is coming down with her ute and her horse float to help us move all the things from Maddie and Lauren to their new home. So yeah, a big day ahead. I'm going to get this interview audio tidied up, out to you and released. And then it's the rest of the day packing and moving for Matthew and Lauren for me. So here's hoping my back holds out. I hope wherever you are in the world, you are safe, healthy and well. You're going to have a great week ahead. I hope business is going strong and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 